0: Welcome to In The Know by Diane Schindler. This is Diane Schindler speaking. I'm the host of In The Know, the podcast show. I'm an author, a presenter, a solo nomad, a travel blogger, and a photographer. So this podcast show includes writing tips, travel tips, and my views of life from savvy and thoughtful to quirky and humorous. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to In the Know. Today, I'm interviewing once again Margaret Best. Let me tell you about her. She was born in New York, graduated high school in Germany, and colleges in Louisiana. She married in Illinois and moved back to Virginia. then she moved back to Louisiana. She has two sons born in Texas and one daughter born in New Mexico, and eight count them 'em eight grandchildren. Now, obviously, you know, she's lived in several states. Well, she's also lived in several countries. Germany, Puerto Rico, Egypt, Japan, and Guam, which we're going to talk about today. She retired from teaching elementary school in Florida before pursuing a career as an author. And we're happy about that because she's written some really wonderful books. Her books are available on Amazon and at Barnes and Noble. Now, I'm going to leave in the program notes links to her books, where you can buy her books, as well as the photos of her of her book covers. And her newest book, let me go back. She has two memoirs, Unsung Hero and Dandelion Child, subtitled A Soldier's Daughter. Now, if you've been listening, if you subscribe to In the Know, then perhaps you have heard our first interview with Margaret. And we talked about Unsung Hero and dandelion Child. Now, I will leave a link in the program notes so you can access that previous interview. Her newest book, which is what we're going to talk about today, it's in the genre of memoir slash travel, and the title is Guams with the subtitle, Where America's Day Begins. This book will be available 2021. So welcome, welcome, Margaret. It's good to see you again. Thank you. You know, before we started recording, we were talking about this horrendous pandemic. Yes. Now that we're shut down due to this virus, what have you been doing?
1: I've been writing. I've been writing and writing and writing. Good for you. I love it.
0: Yeah, good for you.
1: I've also been helping other people write. And I have been making cards and sending cards to shut-ins. And you've been making cookies? Uh, Oh, yes. (laughs) I baked some awful cookies. (laughs) And then I decided to bake them again, and they got almost awful. So when I bake them another time, they might get good. So did you eat the awful ones? Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah, see that's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid <laughs> to bake cookies because I'm right. here hunkered down and when I get bored, I go right for the pantry or the refrigerator. Correct. So I have been holding ba- back on baking. Now tell me also, I know that you have been attending your uh wannabe writers group, but you've been oh, yes. That, you've been doing that via Zoom.
1: Yes. We meet on Monday mornings. Uh at 8 uh, eight thirty in the morning and we stop around 12 and wow, we that's fantastic. read what we wrote for that week
0: how many are in your group 18 wow you know i just i just joined the three of us joined together in a in a writer's group we're calling at the d3 d and in d is in mm-hmm. diane donna and daryl daryl's in north carolina donna is here she is the erotica writer mm-hmm. dr Dr. J here mm-hmm. in uh, Amelia Island. And I am here in Amelia Island and we meet every two weeks on zoom. It is incredible what we are doing it is. rather than it is. so far. I mean, I'm in another writer's group. Uh, actually it's a novel writing class where we write and then evaluate what we've written with an eye to certain elements and aspects of writing the novel. Mm-hmm. But in this smaller writer's group, we are each taking a topic each week. So, for example, this past week, my topic was um, the character arc and the way in which to describe the emotional aspects of responding to progressive complications. It was, it was intense. And, we, <laughs> I mean, I... Oh my goodness! It was really intense, but it was great. And then the week mm-hmm. before, Daryl did point of view. And we talked all about point of view. And then Donna talks about writing sex scenes. But I tell mm-hmm. you, it's really a great way to up your craft, isn't it? Right. I mean, it's really writing mm-hmm. in isolation. I think is dangerous. When I work with groups, I ended up having to rewrite and rewrite and rewrite. But but you've been writing a lot, and I can tell from this list of questions that we're going to talk about today that you have been not only hunkered down, but you've been doing a lot of writing. Now, so tell me what you what specifically have you been writing?
1: Well, I write different things. Uh, the book I'm writing, I spend maybe four hours a day writing about Guam and researching at the same time as I'm writing. Then I write also... I have a lady who's writing her book. She's a, a veteran and I'm helping her write her, her memoir. And so I'm rewriting her stuff. And I try that for about an hour a day. Then I have been writing with a program, um, uh, spiritual writing, mm. uh, I'm talking about my ideas of how I became what I am as a Christian. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I also wrote a story about, Oh, I left teaching many years ago, and I was not able to write about teaching due to what happened when I left. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden last week, I was able to write, and I wrote a whole thing about what happened on the day I left teaching. And it really struck a lot of chords with my writing group. And it was very cathartic for me.
0: Yeah, so you really got you peeled away and touched Mm -hmm. your own nerves and then put it down on paper.
1: Yes. And I think writing is something that everybody can do, even though they say they can't. Mm -hmm. And I tell people who say, Oh, I've got a story, but I can't write it. I say, record it. Mm -hmm. Push that little button on your computer that says dictate and dictate it. Yeah. And then send it to me and I'll write it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: You know, I have a friend who, wrote a novel and she hadn't this was her first novel and she hadn't really done a lot of background but in novel writing and um Mm -hmm. a couple of us she asked us to critique and we did and i just and she's now back on her heels and hasn't been writing at all and i keep writing her every day and saying just just write 15 minutes you know right just write 15 minutes every day you know and she said oh i haven't written in so long i just and i'm waiting for the muse i said well the the muse is (laughs) not going to come to you you have to practice to get there you really do don't you think open yourself up and write Mm -hmm. and write and write and Mm -hmm. i know when i first start and if i haven't been writing even in a week when i start writing again it's really garbage but yes yes But that's okay because you're getting it out and at some point you're going to get. And so it's so good that you have decided to create an opportunity for people to come to you, to go to your website so you can help them pull out these wonderful stories that they have experienced or they have in their head.
1: Right. The website that I'm using now is called margaretbestauthor.com. That's so good that your last name is Best.
0: Because yes, I know. I'm
1: the best author. <laughs> and, you're,
0: and that's really good. And you've won some awards. And so, you Oh, know, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. So uh, for those, if you want to hear about the Best Rewards, <laughs> <laughs> Margaret Best Rewards, you can listen, I'll have them listed in the program notes. but you also can listen to that previous interview that I alluded to. You're concentrating on your memoir and your travel book about Guam, and the, the title is Where America's Day Begins. It's a snapshot of the beauty and the culture and the history on an island that you call paradise. Yes. Tell me about each chapter that you're developing.
1: The first chapter is just an introduction as to how I got there and why I was there and what I thought I was getting into and what I actually got into. So, and that that second chapter is about the land and it talks about volcanoes. When we Mm -hmm. were there, a volcano erupted. There are no volcanoes on Guam, but there is a volcano in the ocean and it erupted. And and we talked about that. We talk about earthquakes that happen all the time on Guam. And then we talk about um, the weather, which is absolutely fantastic, but we do get typhoons Then I talk about places to go, beaches, and there are so many beaches on the island. We played a game, and we do it here in the United States too, and the game is called geocaching. And with geocaching, you go out and you find a hidden treasure. That's not really a treasure. It's just a hidden something, and it's it's fun to go find. And in Guam, we were part of a group that put these treasures all over the island, and then you write about the place that you place them. And Mm -hmm. I saw things on Guam that the normal person doesn't see. They were absolutely fantastic, and a lot of history gets involved in that. We also did something called boonie stomping. Boonie stomping is hiking in the jungle. Mm. Didn't do it, but my husband did it. Mm. And he went out with all these young people (laughs) and hiked through... (laughs) through Guam, and then he'd come home and he'd take me to the place that they went to in the car. It was fascinating. We saw things that the Guamanians don't see. Waterfalls are beautiful. One waterfall that I love the most that's highlighted in my book has no name, it's just a waterfall. We heard it while we were going over a bridge. And so my husband said, oh, there's a path. So we walked down the path and we went right to this beautiful waterfall. Hmm. And we sat there and watched the water come down, heard the water come down. It was absolutely gorgeous. Wow. I cannot even tell you where it is because a lot of times we went through Guam and we just stopped and walked and we found something.
0: When you talk about Guam, when you talk about Guam now, mm-hmm. and when you talked about Guam before, you know, mm-hmm. you
1: just exude excitement and more. I mean, Guam is is a little known island, very little, not much goes on there, but it is very important to the world peace. We have a large military presence on Guam. It's closer to Asia than anything else and we can get anywhere from there militarily. Mm -hmm. They have big Air Force Base called Anderson Air Force Base, My brother-in-law was stationed there twice. We have Big Navy on the other end of the island, which my brother was stationed there once. We have now the Marines are coming back. So they're coming back to uh, Guam. So we have a big contingency of availability in case North Korea or somebody else decides they want to do something or shouldn't. Mm-hmm. We can respond.
0: When so you know when you talk about Guam, you talk as if you're living on the island now.
1: I feel like I am. Writing this book, I really feel like I am. And I have so steep, many friends you're over there. In it
0: all over again. And how long
1: ago were you, did you
0: leave Guam?
1: Oh, long time ago. Uh, we were there. We moved there in 2007, mm-hmm. and we left in 2009. Yeah. And I feel like it's yesterday.
0: was your favorite experience when you were living on Guam?
1: The one that I remember immediately is Cocos Island. Cocos Island is a little tiny island in, inside the Guam. Guam, there are little islands be, around Guam. This is a little island around Guam. And you go there to Marizzo, which is a little town in, in a Guam and you go on to a ferry boat and on the ferry boat you go across to this little tiny island called Coco's Island. Mm -hmm. It's a resort and on that island you can swim and bathe and all that sort of stuff. We went there the first week we were on Guam with a church group. (laughs) That's where I found out that you should wear shoes when you're swimming (laughs) because Because you don't know what you're going to step into. You're not going to know what you're going to step on because Uh of all the coral and the rocks. I walked in my feet. It was like Mm -hmm. I was walking on glass. It was on sand. Mm -hmm. It's called star sand. And the star sand is something that I'd never heard of before. It is shaped like a star. It's little pieces of protozoa that live in the ocean. They get pulled up by the waves, and then they get stuffed on the, on the shore. Well, they die. Mm -hmm. When they die, their exoskeleton or whatever it is, becomes star sand. And there are only a few beaches in the world that have this star sand. And they happen to be on Guam. What
0: color is it?
1: It can be tan or brown or white. It depends. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it looks pink.
0: I would think so. Yeah, I was thinking that.
1: Mm -hmm. And it was my first experience on a beach in Guam. So I know that every time I go out, I wear sneakers. Mm -hmm. There's actually a book that is written by somebody that says swimming in sneakers. I have swim shoes, which I use when, when I'm swimming in Guam. This sounds so beautiful. It is. And the water is just absolutely clear. You can see all the way down to the bottom. And... When I was on Cocos Island that time, I was my first time parasailing. I don't know why I did it. I did it. But anyway,
0: <laughs> Do you have photos of parasailing?
1: Yes. Wow. I'd like to see those sometime. I uh, was in the air looking down at the water and this big, great, big fish, huge fish. I watched it as it went under the water. It was absolutely gorgeous.
0: And you could see that because the water was so
1: clear. The water was very clear at that on that day. There was no wave or anything. I learned to snorkel there too,
0: because
1: hmm. I'm not a swimmer. <laughs> I actually learned to swim while I was in Guam, and I was 60 years old. We went snorkeling, and I went with my swimming teacher. And I went too close to a fish. The fish bit me. Oh. Believe it or not, beautiful, beautiful fish. It was a parrot fish, and it bit my Fingertip, and it felt like you when you have a, a um, fingernail clipper
0: uh-huh, and you, you miss
1: and you hit your, It felt that way. No big deal. Well, then I got out, and that night it started hurting, and I went to the doctor, and it was infected. And he said you went too close to his nest.
0: Oh boy. like to me it's sort of untouched so it has a special exciting adventurous beauty about it
1: when i first got there you know i'm a military brat and my brother was born in hawaii in 1955 and i remember hawaii and hawaii was not like it is today well guam was like hawaii was in 1955 it's not touristy it might be today however i'm sure but it wasn't when i was there because I've done some research on the internet and they have a lot of things now that they didn't have then that are very touristy. Like what? They have a huge Guam museum. They didn't have one then. Mm -hmm. They have a great big, huge Guam museum. They have several um, amusement parks. They have this great big government complex now that at the time that I was there, it was just a hill, but now it's a government complex. And on this government complex, are fantastic sculptures that I have seen that were not on the governor's complex, but they were on that hill. And the, the, the um, monuments are fantastic. The one in particular that I love is called Walking to Concentration Camp. It was done by Lisa Reistad. It's a big bronze statue of a woman and a child and a baby. And the face looks like they're scared, and they're, they're concerned, and they don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. They are marching to a camp called Menangan. During the Second World War, the Japanese invaded Guam the day after they invaded Hawaii. And we in the United States didn't even pay attention, but they invaded Guam because they wanted the island and, and it was part of the United States. They took over Guam and they terrorized it for three years. And we've met people who were terrorized. They took all of the people, they were called Chamaro. they took all of the Chamaro people and said, you've got to get out of here and we're taking you to Menangan. So they all went to Menangan. There were 18,000 of them. And they marched them through the jungle without food, without water. If they fell, they killed them. And then mm-hmm. they went and all lived in Menangan. This statue that is in the governor's complex shows that fear on their faces as mm-hmm. they go. Mm-hmm. It's an absolutely beautiful, beautiful monument that shows how the people felt in, on the fear of the complex. Mm-hmm. And think about it, it's a concentration camp. Yeah. We think only that the Germans had concentration camps. No, the Japanese did too. And they were ready to kill everybody. Mm-hmm. They liked to behead people. So the history of Guam is fascinating not just world war ii but also you see latte stones latte stones are ancient they're 3,000 years ago the original guamanians came from uh, philippines and places like that and they landed in guam and they set up their settlements in guam they built what's called latte stones their stone structures and there's a big stone structure on the bottom, which is called a latte. Mm-hmm. And then they put another stone on top of that called a tallow. And from the from that latte and the tallow, they put then coconut and pandama leaves that they wove together to make houses. Mm-hmm. And so the houses sit on top of these rocks, these um, and they had a wonderful society doing with this, all kinds of people all over the island had little latte villages, and the Spanish came, Magellan came, and then the missionaries came, mm-hmm. and they got rid of most everything that they could of the Chamaro culture. Oh. And so the Chamaro people integrated into the Spanish culture. but they didn't leave the Chamaro, so they have now combined Chamaro with Spanish mm-hmm. and American. And it's just, it's just, the people are so fantastic. They're friendly. They care about you. They invite you to think. The first week we were there, we were invited to a fiesta. People are so friendly. It sounds like
0: a beautiful culture. Do you think you're ever going to get back to Guam? No. Oh, rats. You answered no too quickly, Margaret.
1: Well, traveling for me is not something I can do anymore. Right. It's too hard for me
0: hmm I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Can you read something
1: from your manuscript? Sure. This is called P.T. Guns Guam. Ready to go? Yeah. Joel said as we walked out of the door from our 12-story apartment in Tamanin, Guam. Just a minute, I need to put on bug spray, I yelled back. Joel and I entered the elevator. I went boonie stomping yesterday, he said. I went to show, want to show you the P.T. guns. Where are they? In the jungle, I bet. Yep, P.T. is located before we get to Big Navy. Joel drove our Toyota to Marine Corps Drive made a turn on to Route 6 at the Veterans Cemetery, and then made an immediate left turn to Assumption Drive, where we stopped to look over the area toward Asan Park, where the Americans landed during the Second Battle of Guam in 1944. Remember, I hiked the exact route the soldiers took when they invaded Guam. It must have been horrendous, he said. Looking over the jungle behind us, I wondered how anyone could get through such jungle of of bush. I wiped the sweat from my forehead, took a sip of water from our ever-present water bottle, and gazed over the slope of homes, looking toward the bay, imagining a fleet of warships and soldiers pouring onto the shore. How frightened they must have been. Let's find the church, Joel said as he got into the car. The trailhead is behind the church. We parked in the lot at the Our Lady of Assumption Church. The sign posted just at the start of the back area jungle showed a black and white picture of soldiers walking into the jungle ready for battle. In Chamorro, English and Japanese, the sign said, the Imperial Japanese had fortified the island entirely with guns like the ones on Piti. There, these are the position they were found after the liberation of the island. Despite being the only remaining guns, they were never fired during the battle. The Japanese were in the process of hauling the new guns up the hill to be installed by Chamorro slave laborers. But the invas- invasion happened before they could complete their work, so the guns were abandoned. Joel led the way up the steps. I walked slowly, holding on to the hand bars and looking over the green of the mahogany forest while listening to the ribbits of tree frogs and crickets. An occasional gecko dashed across the steps, but I saw no other wildlife. We climbed the steep slope for a quarter mile. By the time we came out onto the forest floor where the guns had laid waiting, I was huffing. A sign beside the first gun noted that the mahogany forage we had just traveled through had been planted in 1920 as part of an experimental station on the island. Mahogany is not a native. The sign also said, these were coastal defense guns for the Imperial Japanese that overlooked Asan Bay, the area is part of the war on the Pacific National Historical Park. The three guns were in bad condition. They lay in pieces. Joel spent minutes walking around, each one examining it, but I don't know what, having been in the military, I assume he is interested in stuff like this. I am interested only in the history.
0: Mm, nice, good descriptions. Really good descriptions mm-hmm. in histo- history. It's a, it's a, a bittersweet feel, isn't it? It's a yes. nice, it's a nice setting. But when you think about where you were visiting and what was happening yes. before, it's a, it's mm-hmm. very, it's a compelling, bittersweet scene. Yeah. Let me ask you something else. What about brown tree snakes? Tell me about <laughs> brown tree snakes.
1: Before we went to Guam, my brother, who had lived in Guam, told me that brown tree snakes were all over the place, that they were interrupting with the electricity, and they were all over. Well, you know what? I saw three brown tree snakes in three years. But I noticed every fence, especially those around the military bases, have these little boxes sitting on the fence. They're snake catchers. And the snake would go, they put a mouse in that catch, in that box. And I did write about it in the book. The snake then goes up for the mouse. The snake can't get out. Can't even get the mouse. But That's one way they got rid of the snakes. The snakes ate all the birds. That sounds terrible. So the island had no birds for a long time. Now, Cocos Island had birds because snakes couldn't get over there. They couldn't swim in the water, but now they have a, at Retidian National Park, which is fantastic. They have a tree, brown tree snake research center, which we visited, and they explained to us how they were getting rid of their brown tree snakes and how they were trying to take care of that. I read just last week, the Marines are coming into an area that was infiltrated with greens, with brown tree snakes. And they had to go in there and get rid of the brown tree snakes before they could even do the, the construction for the Marine compound. Hmm. A friend of mine said when he was a little boy, he used to go out and find brown tree snakes and uh, he would get paid for them. So the government was trying to get rid of them. They came over probably as hitchhiking on planes that came in from New Guinea and they're not native. They came probably hitchhiking on that. And then they just had no natural enemies and they exploded. They are not particularly dangerous. They don't like people. (laughs) So they're going to get away (laughs) from us before we get away from them. That's not a good thing. (laughs) Well, that means they're scared of us. Yeah. They come out at night. They don't come out during the day. They have fangs. They don't rattle. They do bite, but what they do is when they bite, they clip onto something and they chew. Right. And they chew. It's very hard to get rid of get them off of you. They chew and then you get infected. Oh. You go to the hospital and they just give you a shot. Mhm. It's no big deal.
0: Do they climb brown trees? Is that why they're called <laughs> the brown tree? No.
1: They're just called brown tree snakes. I don't know why. Huh. That's interesting
0: all right well we've talked about your book listen to you read a scene from your book and we appreciate that we know that this new book about guam your passion guam will be coming out in 2021 we referenced a little bit about the pandemic and how you and I are both hunkering down and taking advantage of this opportunity and writing and writing writing and writing and writing. So, and the, and the benefit of having a writer's group. Now, for those of the listeners out there, I hope if you are a writer or a writer wannabe that you take advantage of fellow writers where you can learn more about your craft just by talking to one another. Don't be afraid to write. I wanted to ask, tell me a little bit more about that before we, before we end this interview, mm-hmm. Dagon it, Margaret, you and I could talk all day, but right um, we could we could, so I appreciate it so yes. much so what is the the one thing you would like readers to know
1: don't be afraid to write, just sit down and and write and and even if you don't write or you can't write because your hands shake too much, record it in some way, use the ipad use the use your cell phone, record it. And then it will, it will write it for you. Writing is a cathartic thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if something has happened to you, a divorce or a death, if you sit down and write about it, it will help you overcome it. Um, it helped me overcome many things. And I think that that's very important. Writing is an important skill. And you don't have to be afraid. You write, it's for you.
0: When you talk to someone who's worried and wants to tell a story, but says, I don't know Mm -hmm. how to write. What do you tell them
1: about editing themselves as they write? Do you comment on that? Mm -hmm. Well, I edit myself all the time when I'm writing, Mm -hmm. but uh, other people don't need to just sit down and write, write like you talk. Mm -hmm. I have books and books and books of, of things that I don't let anybody else read because they're awful. I've been writing since I was a little girl and I just write what I feel like writing about, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't always make any sense to anybody, but it's there. I hone my skill through always writing. If you have a story, you need to let it out.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Nobody knows your story until you tell them, and you might think, well, nobody cares about my story. Uh Uh-uh, uh-uh, people care about your story. You are our history, and when you're gone, that part of our history is gone unless you have it written down somewhere for somebody to see. The older I get, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> the more I understand the importance of it. Yes. I mean, I, I'm interested in writing in the, initially because I just wanted to sort of learn how to write and have a sense of accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Right. And then what happened to me when I didn't write, I felt unbalanced. If that yeah. makes any sense. Yes. it does. And I had to, it was like, I had to gravitate back. I had to get back in there to writing. Cause I don't that's know. Right. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know. It, and some of the thing, you know, when we write, even if it's not a memoir, mm-hmm. we still are telling something about ourselves because that's, that's right. what we're, that's where we get what what we're writing about, even though it's creative and it's not necessarily about my life, Mm -hmm. it still gets inside of me and it comes Mm -hmm. out of me, good, bad, or indifferent. And when I don't do it, I am a little off center and I don't necessarily realize it until I think, well, I just, I don't know, I'm having trouble concentrating or something. And then I realize, you know, you just need to, to write. And then that's what I do. It's hard to get back into it. If mm-hmm. I've skipped a couple of weeks But as mm-hmm. you and I were chatting before we started recording mm-hmm. it, it's like, for me, it's like riding a bicycle. And I think it's like that with everyone mm-hmm. that you, you write, you ride your bicycle, you ride your bicycle, and then you put it away and then you pull it back out and eh, you make mm-hmm. it stiff when you're riding that bicycle you may yeah. not have exactly the balance or the steering that you had before, but soon, it's a breeze again. One caveat, writing isn't a breeze, but
1: um, (laughs) writing is hard work.
0: It is for me. I always say, I always say it's excruciating and exhilarating. Yes. If you can hold those two Mm
1: -hmm.
0: emotions at the same time. Right. It's really challenging Mm -hmm. and it gives me my greatest joy.
1: And And you write for yourself you don't write for somebody else, you write for yourself.
0: Yeah, and see, that's a really important point. Many people worry about their audience when, when they just need to write what they need to write. Yeah. Not worry about who's going to read it. Right. Um. I mean, at some point, if you choose to work with Margaret, for example, and write your memoir, at some point, when you're finished and when it's edited and all that, that's when you take in consideration Mm -hmm. the audience and the audience can just be yourself or your family, or it can be a broader, a broader group of people. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Thank you. And when you
1: sit down and say, well, nobody cares. Somebody cares. Yeah.
0: I don't care that nobody cares. (laughs) I mean, if you said to me, nobody cares, I don't care that nobody cares because Mm -hmm. I'm writing my stuff. When you finished your first book, don't you think, Margaret, when I finished, well, I finished two books, but when I finished my first book, I just coasted. I was coasting for months at at that accomplishment, and it didn't even matter to me, thank goodness, about the quality of the work. I mean, I just didn't, I wanted it to be uncringeworthy if that makes any sense yes when, you, when I write the book and you read it Margaret I just didn't want to cringe at the thought of your reading it that was my right. bar for right. quality
1: did you feel that way when you finished your first book my first book unsung hero was about my father
0: mm-hmm. and it was
1: cathartic my brother and I worked on it together and we after daddy died we came out of it with more love for our father and more understanding of him then I won an award. Yes. Tell us about that. I was shocked. I thought, how is this possible And I won an award? And so then I wrote the second book, which I had been writing for 30 years. It was my own memoir, which was difficult to write, very difficult to write. And I finally did get it finished, and I got it published, and I won the award again.
0: Ding, ding, ding. Best author.
1: Uh, <laughs> unbelievable Congratulations. Now, the guam that's... book I, I it should win an award but whether it will or not it's another thing but it should because it's great <laughs> yeah
0: that's good i love your sense of uh sense of self as a writer mm-hmm. i appreciate yeah. that so much uh, well i thank you for spending time with me today and i'm so glad you came back for the second interview you talked about guam during the first interview it was very intriguing. And so I'm glad that even though you haven't finished the book, I'm glad you stopped mm-hmm. to talk to us in the midst of the book. Yes. I can, that's a little teaser for us. I want you to promise me that you're going to come back after the book is published.
1: Oh, I would love to.
0: That would be great.
1: Mm-hmm. And um, maybe it'll win an award. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: maybe it'll win an award. Why Why not? You're on a roll. Two books, two <laughs> awards. I mean, come on. If I were near you, I'd touch you and you'd, you'd turn into gold. <laughs> yes, that's right. I want to touch you so I can get some of your, get some of your skills and some of your abilities. All right. Well, thank you so much. Okay. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Keep writing. And I will talk to you soon. thank you so much for listening to In The Know. If you would like to support the show, you can do so by subscribing and sharing it with your family and friends. You can like this episode, leave a comment, and even add a rating. Your support is very important to the success of In The Know. Thank you for listening and see you next time.